First Chronicles 23, please. First Chronicles 23. Because today is uh, a lot of exceptions, we don't have kids' class today. Um, but those who have very young kids, uh, they're uh, free to go over there uh, where my wife is at. She's setting things up over there. First Chronicles chapter 23, what I'd like to ask is that um, because I uh, don't want people to be distracted, so because I don't want people to be distracted in the sermon uh, message, uh, if you would try to keep the volume low, okay? If you're excited, say amen. That's perfectly fine. I like, uh, we like an exciting spirit, but I don't want something that will disrupt, especially since there are uh, newer people over here. I don't want the service to be disrupted because, um, believe it or not, this will be kind of a stirring message, okay? So this will be a message that will stir you up. I intend to do that. So I don't want that spirit to be ruined. I want everybody in unison to be stirred up, actually. All right? So if you can help out with me in to produce that kind of environment, all right? Have the amens, have the energy, but also don't be so loud that will cause such a distraction, okay? First Chronicles chapter 23, and then we'll look at verse 27. First Chronicles 23, 27. Pray for me. It requires a lot of stamina on my part and... Uh, a lot of thinking, of words connecting, because my words are not connecting right now. <laughs> Verse 27, for the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above, because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord, in the courts and in the chambers, and the purifying of all holy things, in the work of the service of the house of God, both for the showbread and for the fine flour for meat offering, and for the unleavened cakes and for that which is baked in the pan, and for that which is fried, and for all manner of measure and size, and to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at even, and to offer all burnt sacrifices unto the Lord in the Sabbath, in the new moons, and on the set feasts by number, according to the order commanded unto them continually before the Lord, and that they should keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the charge of the holy place, and the charge of the sons of Aaron, their brethren, in the service of the house of the Lord. King David, he has instructed the Levites to be able to prepare everything for the tabernacle, for the work of the Lord, so that his son Solomon can build the greatest temple that was ever built. Being one of those Levites, you would feel like being one of those Levites, you would feel like that this is quite a lot of work. For some of you who don't know the work of a Levite, the Levite was supposed to be over there in God's house. During that time, God was living with the children of Israel in their tabernacle, in the temple. And while in that place, the Levite had to constantly work, constantly had to offer up sacrifices. Day in, day out, I mean, you talk about getting used to slaying sheep, slaying rams, slaying goats, blood being spilled all over. It's such a bloody work. Who would want to get their hands dirty, their hands bloody? Who want to kill animals every single time? Who would want to... Uh, offer up sacrifices and all that smoke is coming out. And some of them, they had to live there. They had to live there. They couldn't get out. The Levites 
couldn't own their own possession. It's not like I've got dreams, I've got plans, I've got a school that I want to graduate from, I've got a job that I want to accomplish, uh, there's, uh, I want to go to some place off for vacation over there, there's some place in that area that I want to visit, and they couldn't do anything like that. They couldn't buy their own property. If they went to a shopping mall, the Levite had to resist the temptation. I can't buy that. 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 Why? Because I'm a Levite. Because I'm a Christian. That's part of the world. I'm not allowed to buy those kind of stuff. You would talk about the Levite, Man, that sounds like a tough life. The lost world definitely thinks that way when they look at the Levites. Man, you're weird. You're strange. Well, God said that we are supposed to be a peculiar people, a strange in the eyes of the world, to be strange in the eyes of the world. And yet to receive that from the world, that you're strange, you're weird, and the Levites are weird, they are strange. Some of them had to wear some... Weird, funny-looking robes that had to have uh, little bells ding-a-ling, and it's just, it's just so off. It's, you can't wear the clothes that you want. You can't do the things that you want to do. They cannot have their own possession. Can you imagine day in, day out? Uh, I mean, the tabernacle was not that big, so you got the courtyard and then two places, and one place you can't even go in there. See the showbread the candlestick. I bet you the Levite practically memorized everything in that tabernacle. Every service that he did for the Lord. Every song, every hymn that was perhaps sung, he probably memorized it word for word. Every part of God's work that he did. He memorized it. He got used to it. It's just waking up in the morning. Gotta praise the Lord. Gotta get my tail to church. Got to make sure I dress properly. Got to make sure that I got to keep my mind on spiritual things, get my mind off of the world. I can't think about uh, envying the world, being jealous of that or owning that one. I've got to be content with my Christian walk. It, only in this tabernacle, only in this life. Wouldn't anyone be so overused to that? that will turn into something mundane? Well, I'll tell you something. Thousands of Christians do. Thousands of Christians would. But I want to tell you something, my friend, that for myself, I never want to get used to it. Oh, I cannot get used to it. I cannot get used to waking up in the morning and coming, uh, dragging my own flesh to church. I cannot get used to it just opening that book and reading the Word of God. I cannot get used to it just hearing the songs being sung, it just sounds new to me all the time. When I hear the preaching of the Word of God, it's not the same old, same old. Man, I can't get used to that. I can't get bored of that. It's always new. You can get five preachers preaching out of the same passage. It'll sound different to me all the time. I cannot get used to that. I cannot get used to my brothers and sisters in Christ that, whose faces I see, whose problems we bear each other's burden. Needs that we keep praying for. I can't get used to that. Amen. The Levites, they couldn't get used to that. They had to know, I think, that they did enjoy what they had in the Lord. I'm sure there were some who got used to it. 
That's why they want to experiment something. Let's change God's worship service a bit. Let's bring in an idol. You know, let's call him Baal. You know, let's put a golden calf rather than killing calves. Aren't we sick and tired of killing calves? Let's set up a golden calf this time. Let's try something new. Let's, we don't have to mingle ourselves with the world to be able to enjoy the life that you and I have in Jesus Christ. When I got the King James Bible, I got a sinless Savior. I got Bible-believing truth. I've got a Bible-believing church, and I got Bible-believing brethren. I got prayers and the support and the Holy Spirit inside me. I can't get used to that. It stirs me up all the time. Bless God, I was born into church, and I was raised in church, and I'm going to die in church. That's, how, that's my life. That's how my life is going to go. You might say, weren't you bored ever since you were at the age of six, experiencing a Bible-believing life? Don't you think you have to experience the world, the wickedness out there, and taste sin a bit? That way you can appreciate more of your Bible-believing Christianity. I don't have to, bless God. Ever since I tasted it from the age of six, I want to stay there. I can't get used to this. This is mine. This is all mine. And I sure enjoy it. How about you? How about you? The title of my message is Never Get Used to It. Never Get Used to It. Father, fill within me Holy Spirit, unction, and power from on high. And Lord, cleanse away my sins with your blood. And I pray today's preaching that it'll stir people's hearts. Make us see what we got that we'll never get used to it. Oh God, we've gotten used to it, Father. Oh God, we've gotten used to it. We've uh, lost our zeal for soul winning. We lost our shout. Lord, we lost our desire for reading your word. Preaching and teaching has always sounded the same to us. Lord God, we, we got used to it, Father. I pray that we'll never get used to it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Let's look at our first point at verse 28. Verse 28. The Bible says, Because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord in the courts and in the chambers and the purifying of all holy things and the work of the service of the house of God. What the Levite's job was, it wasn't something very fancy. It wasn't something you would consider to be fun. It was to wait. It was to wait. In other words, it's to serve, to minister, the Bible says, to the sons of Aaron because of God's work. God's service. Man, can't you imagine the Levite? I mean, man, wouldn't you get tired waking up all the time and then coming to people and then you have to, I mean, your flesh don't like it. There are just some brothers and sisters in Christ that you're just getting so much used to it and you're like, oh man, I don't think I can do it. But then you feel like your smile is fake, that your laughter is fake. And then you just have to put in the energy to just go up to a person and say, hey, brother, hey, sister. And that you have to put up an effort to put in a few words and just fellowship with them, just to sit with them, just to be with them. I mean, at times when some brother and sister in Christ is going through a hard time, who'd want to, who'd want to pray? Who'd want to help them out? Who'd want to counsel? Who'd want to bear each other's burdens? I mean, wouldn't that be a dreary life? That'd be pretty much of a hard life. Who'd want to minister to people by 
writing down all their prayer request needs. Oh, man. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Oh, man, it's been going on for years. Oh, man, they got so many prayer requests right here. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I got to pray for all this list again. And isn't there an end to this? And wouldn't anyone get tired? Don't you feel like that your prayers are falling on deaf ears by now? And what's the use of praying? Because God's not answering anyway. Wouldn't anyone get used to it? Would anyone get used to doing the work of the Lord administering to people, in caring for people? Isn't it hard to just follow up on everybody? I mean, why can't I just hang around my own people, my own people where I can talk to, where I can fellowship with? Do I have to keep track of everybody, visitors who come, new faces, people who I haven't talked to? When's the last time I said hi to them or fellowship with them? Why do I have to do that? Isn't it hard to follow up on names, on people, and fellowshipping with everybody? Wouldn't anyone get dreary? Wouldn't anyone get used to it? I think those Levites, if I were them, just ministering all this stuff to people, sacrifice number one and sacrifice number two, here comes so-and-so with 12 sheep again, and then the Levites probably acting a little judgmental. Oh, man, here you go again, and I got to minister to you. Oh, my goodness. When will you learn, brother? When will you learn, sister? But, you know, he has to smile. And he has to love the brother and sister because he himself's got problems, too. And then he's trying to minister to all those people, and then here is day in and day out, ram number one, sheep number two, Cow number four. And then, wouldn't anyone get sick and tired of ministering to a whole bunch of people? Here are people with needs and gifts and say, I need help. I need you to request on my behalf for me to God. I need you to help me sacrifice this to the Lord. And all the time, knowing about the problems and people's problems, those Levites couldn't get used to it. They had to refresh themselves with the love of God, with the understanding of people, with the love for people to keep ministering and ministering and waiting upon them. Why? Because the Bible says that those Levites, God specifically chose them out of all the tribes, not Judah, where the Messiah would come out. That's a special tribe. Not Joseph, because... Well, Joseph, wasn't he a great guy? Wouldn't his tribe be the best? But God chose Levite. Levites, the ones who, if you look at Jacob's blessings, Levite pretty much got a curse. But God chose Levite for a specific blessing that you will minister. I choose you to bless my people. Do you know how many times the priest and the Levite, the Bible says, had to bless the people? had to bless the congregation. You know what that meant? They were a blessing to them. The person comes in with an offering to God and a wave offering and says, oh, bless me, bless me in front of the Lord. And the Levite, had, when he sees that, he's like, I can't get used to this. I'm a blessing to that person. I'm a blessing to that person. That person, I'm helping that brother and sister in Christ out with a certain problem and a need. How can I get used to that? How can I get used to seeing people getting smiles because of what I did? 
How can I get used to people having tears of appreciation because of what I did? How can I get used to people being happy in the Lord even when they don't get me credit? Even when they don't realize I contributed to something to make them happy, how can I get used to that? Why would I be down about that? I bless them. I bless them, and that's what keeps me going. Brother and sister in Christ, you Levite, you can't get used to a job like this, fellowshipping with people, ministering to them, praying for them, bearing each other's burdens, following up on everybody, making sure that some brother and sister who's falling or who's struggling, that you're picking them up, even if they bring the ram the 20th time again, never get used to that, because why? You're a blessing to them. Well, man, it's... You know, pastor, you might love your job, but I don't like mine. Hey, don't you know that there are missionaries and pastors who don't like their jobs either? I mean, uh, there are some ministers out there who don't want to go out in the mission field, but God called them to do it. There are Levites who were born from that tribe, I bet you, who didn't want to do it. Well, I had no choice. I was just born here. God called me to minister to bless that person. Even if you don't like it, your heart's not in it. Think about, I just blessed somebody. I just blessed somebody. And that will keep me going. Even a job that I hate. There have been jobs and things in my life that I hated doing. But I did it for the sake of that person because I love that person. Because I want to bless that person. When I think that way, me as I leave, I I can't help it but slay that lamb's neck again and try to bless the person. Just think about blessing somebody. And if you can't do that, then why don't you bless the Lord? Didn't you know the Bible says, bless the Lord on my soul? Do you know how many passages there are that you bless the Lord? I thought God's the one that blessed us. You're right. So that's why you should bless him in return. Don't you know, my friend, that the job that you're doing and when you're serving the body of Jesus Christ, those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's Jesus Christ's body. When you're ministering to them, when you're serving them, you are serving Him. When you're blessing the body of Christ, you are blessing Him. So think about just doing it for Jesus. Somebody you don't like, do it for Jesus. Then do it for Him. Bless Him instead. Don't you want to bless Jesus Christ after all that He blessed you? Don't you want Jesus Christ to say, you're a blessing to me? Hey, how many at the judgment seat of Christ would prefer the gold, silver, precious stones or Jesus Christ saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Which one would you prefer? You want his compliment, right? You know what that translates to in the original Greek? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You're a blessing to me. You want to hear that? Then do it for the Lord. Do it for the Lord so that do it for the Lord so that he can say, you're a blessing to me. Yes. Take out that garbage can again and let Jesus Christ say, you're a blessing to me. Follow up on that brother and sister in Christ. Love them. Pray for them. Be there for them so that Jesus Christ can say, you blessed me so many times today. You want your best day, your best opportunity to bless Jesus Christ? Today. Sunday. This day, when you're all here together, you got all the body of Christ right here, you can follow up on each other, pray for each other, be a blessing to one another, and bless Jesus Christ tenfold when you go back home.
Go to verse 29. Verse 29. Both for the showbread and for the fine flour, for meat offering, and for the unleavened cakes, and for that which is baked in the pan, and for that which is fried, and for all manner of measure and size. Oh my goodness, that mundane stuff. You know, I, I'll show you some mundane stuff, something that you'll get really used to reading. Read Leviticus 7 through 9. Mundane. This is how you're going to set up the offering. You're going to slay the animal that way, and then you're going to fry the bread that way, and the, the incense is going to come out right here. And make sure that you take a tenth or a quarter or a little ephah or an omer, whatever that is. I probably used the wrong words. And you're going to put a little hint of an oil right there. And man, the Levi just memorized his own cooking book. Uh, this, is a, this is how I'm going to bake the bread. This is how I'm going to fry pan the bread. This is how I'm going to make sure that the bread is fresh. I mean, he can think of 20,000 different ways if he were to cook up manna. That's how much he was so used to taking the offering. The offering of God. And wouldn't anyone get used to that? Wouldn't anyone be dull about that? I mean, Jesus Christ, he told those Jews that the manna that your fathers ate in the wilderness, they're dead. But I am the living bread. My words, my words are food. You know, the word of God is bread to us. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread only, but by every word of God. Wouldn't anyone get used to that? Day in and day out of how you take that word of God and you pretty much memorize, well, I know Leviticus is a boring book. I know First Chronicles is a boring book. I know Romans 8 is about this chapter. I know what I'm going to read in Genesis 1 is six days of creation. I know that when I come to Sunday school class, pastor, he's talking about the book of Philippians, and I already know that verse, and I already know that verse, and you talk about getting used to it. He's preaching, okay, pastor's probably going to slam the pulpit like this again at a certain point, and that he's probably going to talk about this at a certain passage right there. Yeah, I've heard that sermon before, and then you talk about day in, day out, and then wouldn't anyone get used to it? I think a lot of churches and Christians would think so because that's why they had to put rock concerts in their churches. That's why they have to use dramatic displays, show and tell in their churches to keep bringing in people over. That's why they have to do all kind of, they have to do all kind of flashy shows. You know why? Because they keep saying the younger generation, they're getting too used to it. As a billboard goes, this ain't your grandma's church. And then try to entice them over. And then you see one of the corniest sides of Christianity ever when they try to imitate the world. Why? Because people are getting used to it. That offering, that bread is... You already know, you already know. And so says the Levite, but, you know... There was certain bread, <clears throat> there was certain food that I thought that I'd never eat. For example, a lot of them are vegetables. Some of you, some of you might find it hard to believe, but I just hate some of the vegetables, and I will never eat them, okay? I hate bell peppers. I just hate bell peppers with a passion. When I eat pizza, I see a bell pepper, I take it out. I hate bell peppers all the time. And then 
it was weird, then you see one of these videos or these TV advertisements or these cooking shows. You notice how the cook, you know, he'll, he'll take out an ingredient. He's going to say, okay, I'm going to make pizza. And then you're probably thinking, oh, I already, I already know what it's going to taste like, what it's going to be. But then that, when I started myself to cook what that cook is cooking, with every fine detail, all right, you're going to put a tenth of this. All right, you're going to put a little bit of that oil. All right, splatter that with some cheese over here. Make sure you pick this type of cheese. No, not, no any other cheese. And all of a sudden, my stomach started growling. When I look at that, I was like, man, that looks good. <laughs> then you take out the vegetables. And then when he takes out the vegetables, you're like freaking out. But then all of a sudden, you know, he's just washing it the way he cuts it, and then he tells you the type of vegetable it is, you know, it'll make it more fresh, it'll make it more crispy, it'll put that kind of flavor combined with that meal. When I heard all that, when that soaked in my brain, it's like my psychology changed. And then when he took out the bell pepper, I was like, man, I am putting that thing on my food. That's gonna sure taste good. And then when that was done, I just savored in the smell. I mean, I didn't just chow it down ungratefully like the last time when people would just put food on a plate and put it on my table and then I just look at it and then chow it down. No, no, I took time to appreciate, to savor every detail, to know everything. Things that I thought I knew, I didn't really know. And I had to rewind and ponder on that thing a bit. What it was it? Bell pepper. I had to ponder that thing a bit. I had to hear all the descriptions on that bell pepper. I had to hear how fresh it was, how it would complement well with the other stuff in that same dish. And by taking time on that, I became a crazy fan of bell pepper since. Now I'm a real Bible believer. Some of you are about to... Son... Some of you, I thought you were going to walk out of the church because I said I didn't like bell pepper, so <laughs> I get to keep you. You know, that Levite, he's learning from other Levites. He smells that offering every day. He takes every fine detail of that cooking, and he knows how that bread is going to taste. So that verse says that he's able to fan, uh, fry it on a pan. That verse says he's able to freshly bake it. King David, when he came in, he said, I'm so hungry. And then the priest said, we don't have normal, common bread. We have a very special bread. And David wanted to eat that bread. Those Levites took careful time with every detail and they knew how that lamb tasted. They knew how that fat tasted. They knew how that bread would taste. They knew each part that would complement it. And it tasted so good that they just can't get used to it. Why are there millions of subscribers on cooking channel YouTubes? I don't get that. Unless people, when they look at every fine detail, they're like, I love food. Wow. They're like, wow, food that I thought I hated, I love it. My wife hated cilantro. Now she loves cilantro. Who would have thought? Now I'm trying to get her on tomatoes. But that time will come because 
you take time to ponder and appreciate every mixture and that blend. And I just have to ponder a bit more on that word of God. And not go, I, I know Psalm 23, I can quote it. No, 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 no. Brother Robert Randall, will you <clears throat> talk about verse 4? Talk about it. I, I memorize it, but will you talk about it a bit? Let, 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 let's ponder a bit. Let's hear each and every line. Shadow of death, I already know all that. No, 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 let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. I already know about the rod and the staff. No, 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 no. Take that part again, that bell pepper, please. And then will you talk about it a little longer so that I can appreciate the word of God? Today I'm going to do verse by verse on Revelation. No, Galatians. Tell me again, preacher. I heard it from Pastor, but I want to hear it from Robert Randall too. And I'll hear it from the other brother and sister in Christ. Tell me again, each and every word, line upon line. There's something I learned from Pastor that I missed out that I could learn from that brother who's repeating it again. Let's ponder a bit here. Let's take our time. Flesh, stop being so ungrateful and just chow down the food and then have no appreciation and then just throw it down the toilet after that and then go on a mundane, boring, used-to cycle. No, I want to savor every moment. I want to ponder every moment. So I don't care what drawing pastor draws on the electronic whiteboard. I'll appreciate every moment of it. From the basic doctrine to probability calculus to verse-by-verse study, you can fry it on a pan, you can bake it fresh, you can divide it well like a dispensationalist, feed me! And I'll never get bored of a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I'll never get bored of a Sunday Bible study. It's willing to wake up early, sacrifice time, make a way so that I can <sighs> savor it! But who gets used to Wednesdays now? Who gets used to Sundays now? Who gets used to Saturday discipleships? Who gets used to Zoom meetings? After all, you tried it all, you know it all, so why bother? No, never get used to it! Bless God, this book is unlimited, and God has anointed teachers and speakers of it upon your life to feed you some kind of nice wave offering. You'll never appreciate the food until you smell that offering. Until you smell it, until you savor it, let it sink in a bit and rewire your fleshly brain and then just chow it down after that with appreciation. Let's look at verse 30. Verse 30. And to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord and likewise at even. I don't have the energy. No, thank you. Imagine that Levite, you know, first thing in the morning, uh, I need some time. Get me coffee. All right. I need to exercise a bit. All right. Uh, oh, the first thing that I want to do as soon as I wake up in the morning is to not say, wow, glory to God and run the bases. Who'd want to do that? That's the last thing that I want to do. Can you imagine? These Levites had to be cheerleaders. They've got to be cheerleaders. They had to have a positive spirit every time they woke up in the morning. Talk about a lot of energy. Man, wouldn't a Levite get tired and just say, no, I don't want to be a Levite. I just want to be a farmer. 
sit down and do nothing and just enjoy the landscape and just be content with what I got and just do nothing. <laughs> what did the Levite get used to praising the Lord every morning and then probably get tired of it, maybe sick of it, and say, I just want to relax for once. Why, do, why does the Lord have to push me where I have to have a positive spirit and praise the Lord? Well, Levite, the verse said every morning they had to do it. I think that if they started out with a praising the Lord in the morning, they'll praise him at, for the rest of the day. I think that if they started out with a positive spirit in the morning, then it will remain the rest of the day. But if you start out with whatever you do first thing in the morning, that probably might rule you the rest of the day. If you're going to start out in the morning doing this, it'll probably rule you for the next 10 years of your life. Start out in the morning with... It'll probably rule the rest of your life. You'll probably spend thousands of dollars by now by the time you die, just for this. But start out in the morning tired, complaining, hurt by things going on in your life, crying about it, thinking about it, probably might rule you out the rest of your life when any bad things happen. But if I get up in the morning and think about oh, another day to breathe in God's air, yeah. wow. fresh morning air, feel that? Another morning to do something for him? Another morning where I'm coming, this is church. Not like, oh, church, I got it. No, 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 no. Positive. Church. I get to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I get to worship the Lord. I get to sing his songs. I get to hear his word preached. When that comes in first thing in the day, perhaps when you come to church, this will be like that the rest of church day. But I know why some of you might go like this at church today is because you're like this in the morning. That Levi, when he gets up thanking the Lord, thank you, God, for the animal sacrifices. Thank you, God, for a privilege to serve you. Thank you, God, that you would live amongst your people. Thank you, God, for the miracles that you bestow. Thank you for the manna from heaven that I get to eat again at that day. Thank you, God, for a day of the Sabbath where I can just rest and ponder on you. Thank you, God, for the promised land that you promised to me. Thank you for the Abrahamic blessings that you've given to, upon my life. Thank you for victory against my enemies that you have done. Starting like that in the morning would probably rule them the rest of their days, and they can die happy, a Levite. You know why you're not going to die happy as a Christian? Because you're not happy first thing in the morning. You know, we don't praise the Lord because we just don't want to. That's it. You know, when we don't want to give God the glory, there's no praise. There's no nothing. It's because we just don't want to. You know, Lucifer's job, he was, his job was to praise the Lord every day. A cherubim's job was to praise the Lord every day. All it took... For him to become the evil being that he is today 
is just one time he said, I don't want to do this anymore. That's all it took to be Lucifer. You ever, you ever wondered why you became such a Lucifer? Such a messed up person? How you got here? There might be some of you who feel that way. Let's just be honest here. Some of you might feel like that, man, I'm hopeless. Man, I'm at my wit's end. Man, I keep messing up. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a wife. I'm a failure as a parent. I'm a failure as a member of the church. I'm a failure as a servant of God. I'm a failure where I can't get victory over this sin problem. You, you ever wondered why you ended up that way? It just took one time, Lucifer. I don't want to praise you. I don't want to. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. And that's why some of you lost your shout. And some of you lost your glory. And that's why on a Wednesday night, it could be 10 to 50 people for all I care. That it would just sound deader than a doornail. And then come revival meeting, some of you still lost your shout. Some of you forgot how to praise the Lord. Some of you think it's work to run now when you used to run. You know why I am the way that I am right now? Why is pastor always crazy? Because I know it just takes once where I don't want to and it will rule the rest of my life. I'll jump as high as I can. I'll shout as long as I can. I'll run as long as I can. I'll give glory to God as long as I can, as long as I live, as long as I breathe. Because there will come a time I can't use this anymore to praise Him. And I will give it all that i got. You lost your shout? How many of you lost your shout? Yeah, you got used to it. Enough summer camps, enough blowouts. You already know the routine. But bless God, I'll never get used to it. I'll never... I'll give it all I got to thank God and praise him with every passion and fiber of my being. Verse 31, verse 31. And to offer all burnt sacrifices unto the Lord in the Sabbath, in the new moons, and on the set feast by number according to the order commanded unto them continually before the Lord. Continually, every animal they had they memorized by now. Every animal, the way they had to cut them, they memorized the cutting precision by now. Blood and blood and blood. What a bloody job! Who'd want that kind of a job? No one would want that kind of a job. Just killing animals, offering burnt sacrifices. Imagine all that smoke coming out. Surprisingly, they never got cancer in their lungs or something like that. Just in, getting that every single day, they smell like food. You ever been to a barbecue? It tastes good, but your clothes just smell awful after that. Can you imagine every single day they smell like that? I mean, as soon as, if a Levite was to have a family time with different tribes in Israel, they would know, okay, one of you is a Levite. I mean, that, you get so used to that. No one would want that kind of a job. Who would want that kind of a job? Wouldn't anyone get tired of such a job of constantly? The verse said continually yeah. offer sacrifices. <laughs> but God says, oh, don't forget the new moons. Don't forget the Sabbaths. Don't forget the feasts. God, you said continually. Isn't enough enough? No, no, no. Make sure you do it that day, that day, that day. Wow. Wouldn't anyone get used to offering burnt sacrifices all the time? Well, you know, those animal sacrifices, they're... 
They are the way they are because of forgiveness of sins. To make sure that people's sins, sinful lives are resolved, they start a clean new slate. A New Year's resolution, so to speak. Anybody who carries in the lamb, anyone who carries in the animal, I mean, how many times, have you ever thought about it, how many times have they brought those animals in the same tabernacle for the sins they've committed? Well, let me ask it this way. How many times a day do you think, how many times a week do you think you're going to offer an animal sacrifice for your sin? You ever thought of that? It's going to be a lot of counting, right? A lot of work, a lot of getting, and then, you know what? Any, wouldn't anyone get tired? Wouldn't anyone get tired of just dragging in the animal, offering the sacrifice, and then starting a clean slate? Not if I get frustrated with my stinking flesh every day. You ever live with your flesh day in and day out, and how many times to let God's down? Day in and day out, how many times it sins? How many times it sins unintentionally in the heart and in the mind? I don't know about you, but aren't you sick and tired of yourself? I never said the devil. I never said someone that you don't like. I said you. Aren't you sick and tired of yourself? If you're not, I am. I think, I think it's safe to say the majority of you are. How many of you just hate yourself, sick and tired of yourself, self, self, always thinking that it's right, doing what it wants to do, letting God down, and not being a burden to brothers and sisters in Christ, and just not getting along, not being a blessing to people, failing in your job here and there, yourself, yourself, you repeat the same bad habits that you've tried to fix, and yet you're so forgetful, you're just so weak, and you just mess up again. How many of you are sick and tired of yourself? I don't know about you, but I am. I hate this flesh so much. I hate myself so much. I don't like how many times I've let God down and displeased him. I just want to take this flesh and then just kill it. I just want it gone so that I can please the Lord. But that word says in Romans 12 that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So praise the Lord Jesus Christ when I get sick and tired of myself. I just sit under good old-fashioned preaching and have the preacher preach from the word of God. And then he takes out that knife. And that knife is going to cut up my flesh and offer it as a burnt offering. And then here it goes and it just cuts me asunder. And the preacher cuts me again. And something I never thought so weak and so sinful of myself before, the preacher stabbed that part and stabbed it again and awaked me. And I'm like, thank you. When I hear the preacher, I'm like, finally, someone who told me I need to get right with God. I'm just sick and tired of people saying that you're just so special. You're just so lovely. Oh, God loves you who you are. And I just don't want to hurt your feelings. Thank you for telling me I'm a rotten sinner and I need that repentance and get right with God. No one told me what I did was wrong before. Man, praise the Lord. It's like when you come to preach and, man, what a special day. New Year's. All of you just came here wanting to get stabbed. Isn't that wonderful? All of you came here because you want to be cut and diced to pieces. Bless God. Who would drive, who would drive, push their flesh, 
wake up early in the morning, drag themselves just to be cut and stabbed. Who would want that? You do. You do. Apparently, 2,000 years of Christianity would. Preaching never changed. Preaching continued on from the day of the cross to now today. We don't need TV to do it anymore. Man, preach never change. The power of God never changed because people want themselves to be offered as a burnt sacrifice on the altar. The altar never, I never got used to that. I just thank God when the preacher opens up altar call, I would just run. I would flee to the altar. Here he is. He just stabbed me. He cut me. And then now I lay down my body on the altar and let it burn and let that sin just burn and then go up and smoke and just disappear when the blood of Jesus Christ just washes it all away and I plead the blood of the Lamb on the altar. I never get sick and tired of that. I can't get used to that, are you? Some of you got used to it. Levi, that was enough blood, wasn't it? You're tired of the blood, aren't you? It's a bloody work, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm tired of the blood of Jesus Christ too. I'm tired of the blood that cleanses away all my sins too. I'm tired of that blood. I'm tired of singing about the blood. It's a bloody work. I don't want to go on the altar. Too much bloodshed. I'm just sick and tired. Not if you want yourself to be stabbed and gutted and that flesh to burn and the blood of Christ to cleanse that sin away. I'll never get used to that. I'll never get used to that. Sometimes that flesh is just so tough, right? It's just so stubborn. You know what you do with stubborn meat, stubborn flesh? You just get a big butcher knife then. And then every time that, you just, you know, you're so you stubborn youth. I want to cut that stubborn flesh. Thank God for Sunday. Thank God where I'm forced to sit down and can't walk up and leave the room and embarrass myself and just let that knife cut into me and that preacher hold me. You're not going. You're not leaving. And then... <laughs> Bless God! Some of those parts, you know, sometimes a preacher, when he stabs you and then, man, he stabs you real good, but you're just dodging it pretty good. And that sermon's like, that don't apply to me. That don't apply to me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, got me there. Just took a little bit of my hair follicle. Whoa, I dodged that one. That was for brother and sister so-and-so. And you just dodged a knife. That's that time you need a smaller knife. And there's that smaller knife. Why? Because you just want to cut that flesh accurately. Cut it at the right place where it's hiding in your mind and in your heart. And you're like, preacher never covered it. Thank God he never mentioned that sin. Thank God that he never mentioned about that part of me. Thank God for this and thank God for that. That's when you need that smaller knife and it just stabs and precisely cuts it. And I thank God for Bible-believing preaching where it has that small blade and makes sure to cover every edge and every portion of myself that needs to be cut. Thank God I don't have to hear about tithing and soul winning every Sunday. Thank God I don't have to hear about, you know, speaking in tongues and jumping to the water and all that kind of stuff every Sunday. Thank God I got a small knife that will cover that specific sin. 
That specific weakness of mine. That specific part. Because there's something of myself that needs to be cut off. Thank you for covering that. Let's return to our main text again. Verse 32. Verse 32. And that they should keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation and the charge of the holy place and the charge of the sons of Aaron, their brethren, in the service of the house of the Lord. You know that verse says that the Levites that they're supposed to be in charge of the tabernacle, in charge of the people, in charge of God's house, in charge of the holy place, uh, basically to just get in charge of a church. Wouldn't anyone get used to that? <laughs> you come inside and then, you know, there's the normal pews there, the kitchen's over there, the fellowship hall's right there, Brother, sister, so-and-so usually sits there, and brother, sister, so-and-so usually sit at that other spot over there. I mean, I got to do the, here's the musicians, I got to prepare my instruments. Here's the folded chair, set it up, and then the pianist, she's going to play that part, he's going to play that part, I got to match up with it. Song leaders like this, so I got to follow that way. Here's the pastor, he come, comes in again, he's trying to help me with this and that, and I got to follow along, and... Here we go, we got to clean up. The best part of Sunday is to just clean toilets and raise your hand when you hear the pastor barking out, anybody willing, here am I, send me, who shall go before us? Anyone want to clean the toilets? Anyone want to take out the trash? Anybody, I don't see a hand raised. Anyone, anyone, anyone? I better raise my hand. I better raise my hand. He's just, he's just begging, you know. Because he's going to do it if I don't do it. So I better raise my hand. I'm just going to feel awful again. And then, here you go. Who wouldn't be tired of church? Here you are. You have to wake up, go through traffic. I mean, where, where do we live? I mean, can we have church somewhere else? Why is it every time I ride the stinking freeway, I have to faithfully smell marijuana through my air-conditioned vent every Sunday? And the, these stupid drivers, they don't know how to drive, and they just come in, and I'm like, where do you guys think you're from? Why, why does church have to be that way? I mean, wouldn't anyone get sick and tired? Wouldn't anyone get used to church after that? But the Levites, you know, that place, the Bible says, was their home. That was their home. High priest, that was definitely his home. He couldn't get out. Had to stay in there, live there, die there, sleep there, use the toilet there, eat there, have family meetings over there. He couldn't fly out on a vacation to Hawaii. He was stuck right there. That was his home. Now, <clears throat> what do you think that high priest is going to do? What do you think that Levite's going to do when uh, he's in charge of toilet duty that day? Uh, here I go, I gotta clean the toilets again. 
Oh, it's going to be tough. Oh, man, I got to do this church work. And why, man, can't, can't people use the toilet right nowadays? Why is it busted? Oh, because we live in the Bay Area, so nothing works nowadays. And then now I have to contact the office and then have them come and fix it, or I have to find some appliances and tools and parts so that I can fix this properly. Oh, this is the end of the world. Oh, I just hate this job. I don't want to clean toilets anymore. No, I don't think the Levite's doing that. I think that the Levite said, you know, this is actually my toilet. I have to use it all the time. The high priest says, I live here. I don't want a dirty toilet. I'm going to clean it as the best way that I can. I'll buy, I'll, I'll empty out every Lysol wipe if I have to, if I'm that desperate. Because that's my toilet. And that's where I'm going, this is my restroom till the day I die. So I want it clean. I want it nice. You know, I'm not content with just the way it is. Why don't we pretty it up a bit? And I'm talking about a toilet. I'm talking about a toilet. A mundane, low job. I'm talking about taking out the garbage. I'm, taking, I'm talking about washing dishes. I'm talking about sitting down here and playing an instrument. I'm talking about leading people singing. I'm talking about teaching the next generation whose lives and souls are in your hands, not the pastors. I'm talking about your church. But it's not your home, I get it. See? It's, uh, you already got your home set up in the world with your 401k, your job, your future plans, money stored up. You know, you got the school set up for your kids. You got your relationships set up, a family to start and a family to save, a family to keep going, <clears throat> to have future grandchildren. What's that? Well, that ain't the church. That's the world, isn't it? I know you made your bed with the world. Your home is in the world. That's why you take very good care of your toilet in your worldly home, don't you? But that church is not your home. So let somebody else clean it, because I can go to my toilet back in my worldly home. These kids are not my kids. So let the pastor, let the church take care of that. I got my own family, my own worldly children, worldly kids where I'm at. So I can just go back to there. The verse says they were in charge of the holy place of the tabernacle. Are you in charge? Or someone else in charge, huh? Of the church. I know the pastor's in charge of everything, but man, he can't take care of everything. Aren't there some volunteers who wants to take charge of every dish and make sure it's clean. Take charge of every child in the room and make sure they know what is being taught. And they'll, they'll go home spiritually armed and happy with their Christianity. Are you in charge of the music, how it's sung in the room? Or is it just all on the song leader? Or maybe the congregation, maybe you can harmonize? Maybe you can help out. Maybe you can put in a good spirit, say amen here and there. Maybe run around the room or something. Maybe show a smile on your face. 
maybe, maybe you can be in charge a bit of the music. I know I'm preaching. But maybe if someone were to take charge in this service, huh? To say, say on, preacher. And maybe he'll preach harder. To say amen, and the preacher will be encouraged and preach even better. To get on the altar, and the preacher will say, you know, that sermon really helped them. I'm going to work hard for my next one. If we were to have people in charge and realize this is my home, this is my place, this is mine, and I will protect it with everything that I've got, put all my heart and soul into it, how can anyone get used to that if you believe it's yours? I'll never get used, I'll never get used to my watch here until it just olds and fades away and die. I take very good care of it. If it's lost, I'll find it and won't trust, oh, somebody will bring it to me. If I lost something here in this church, if you lost something here in this church, would you work hard to find it? Would you sacrifice to get it back again? See, is every, every soul in this seat yours? Is every part in this church yours? Is every ministry here in this church yours? Is everything, activity, any activity that we do in this church yours? No, it's not yours. And that's the reason why there will always be two people out on the street, street preaching. No, it's not yours. That's the reason why there will only be like one person going door to door, soul winning, bringing people to church. It's not yours. What if it was yours and you can't get used to it? If you believed it was yours, it belonged to you, you will not get used to it. You will take every special extra precaution to do it the best way that you can. You know what everybody wants in the world nowadays? Everybody. I don't care who you are. Young, old, no matter what gender, you want something real. I've been to places around the world, seen different cultures. I don't care what nationality you are. Everybody wants something real in their lives. Do you want something real? Then let me ask you this. What's real to you? Let me ask you this. Are you living up to the realness every minute of your life? If you want something real? Hey now. Do you want something real? I'm sure every one of you can say yes. Yes? Do every one of you want to live up every moment of your life something real? Yes or no? Yes? Yes, everybody does. Then what's real to you? I, I tried everything real out there and studied everything real out there and realized... and. I sometimes, in my flesh, would fantasize a bit on something else out there that could be real to me. But you know, I realized that every sin that I could taste or I could try or I could experiment, it has a price to pay at the end. I realized that for everything that I tried out in the world with a career, with a relationship, with a possession to own, with a life that I could enjoy, is just vain and temporary. What's real to you? Your family? 
Is it your job? Is it your future plans? Is it your education? Is it your hobby? Your entertainment? If there's something you and I know, those things are not real. They're just temporary at best. Temporary at best and just fills in the void and then you need to find something else again. There's only one thing real. And that is the precious word of God. And that is so real to me. And that life of a Bible believer, my life in Jesus Christ, is just so real to me. And I realize there's nothing else out there. So how can I get used to this if it's the only real thing that I got? You're used to this? Fine, then try out the world. Fine, try out the sin. Fine, try out your desire. If you want something you don't want to get used to, try it. And you know that everything out there is not real. It doesn't fill you. This is what you got. This is what's real. And because of that, how can you get used to this if this is the only thing that you got? Let's God, I can't get used to this. I'll never get used to the blood of Jesus Christ. That blood that was shed 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross still seems so alive and real to me that I will sing again the old rugged cross. God's blessing in Romans 8.28 is so real to me. He'll never get old no matter how many times I quote it. It's so real to me. I'll cling on to it every moment I got and fight the complaint, fight the bitterness, fight the fear with Romans 8.28. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is so real to me. God's faithfulness against temptation and trial is so real to me that I will cling on to it with everything that I've got and never get used to it, but shout about it, but quote it, but live it, and to believe it, I'll never get used to God's faithfulness against my trial and my temptation and the hardships that I go through in my life. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new, new, new mercies that I see. I'll never get used to this life. I'll never get used to the King James Bible. Don't give me another translation. I'm sick of another modern translation. I'm sick of people profiting from another translation. Give me that old-fashioned book. Go back to 1611. Give me that King James Bible. Speak, preach, Teach it out of the book to me again. You'll never get old to me. I'll never get used to it. I'll never get used to it. I'll never get used to King James 1611. I'll never get used to Jesus Christ. I don't care what you call him. 33 and a half year old Jew died on a cross. Carpenter's son. He's ancient. He's outdated. Give me Taylor Swift. Give me something new. No, give me Jesus Christ. Go back 2,000 years. I want to think about the cross. I want to think about my Savior. I want to think about the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. I want to think about deity. My God. My Jesus. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. I'll never get used to Jesus Christ. How about you, my friend? I know you want something real. You're getting used to this Christian life. You're getting used to the blood. You're getting used to Jesus. You're getting used to everything. 
Oh, bless God, when you die and go to heaven, you can't get used to that. Try as you might. You try to get used to those streets of pure gold. Try to get used to your mansion in heaven. Try to get used to that tree of life. Try to get used to seeing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You try to get used to that. Get used to the throne of glory. Get used to seeing Moses, Paul, Elijah, Timothy, and Joseph, and Jacob, Abraham, and Isaac. Try to get used to that. You can't get used to it. You can't get used to it. Try as you might. You can't. And when I see the face of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'll never get used to that. And I'll look at that face for the next 10 billion years of my life. Amen. You want to get used to this? You think this is something getting used to? It's mundane and boring, not real to you? Then you know, you know what's out there. You can try it. And you know it's not real there. You can't, if you get used to those things, where else can you go? This is it. So it stops here. The line stops here. I make a determination. I'm going to walk out of my seat, come on the altar, and draw the line here and say, this is it. This is real to me. This is one thing. I can get used to my family, my loved ones, and my job, and everything that I have in this world, but I'll never get used to Jesus Christ. It stops here. Every head bow and every eye shut. You lost your shout. You lost your faithfulness, your zeal for the Lord. You lost your, your role in this church. Your role, your part in this church, have you lost it? Have you slid? You got used to it, haven't you? You got used to it. Never get used to it, Levi. Never get used to it. This is the only real thing that you and I will have and ever will have. This is real. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. was real to you was it another year you got used to you know what's really sad majority of Christians it is last year was just like every other year friend no no it should be real to you because you and I got Jesus Christ If you let him down 2023, if you haven't lived every minute, a minute, if you haven't lived every minute living real, being real, 2024 can be your start. You still got 2024. Let's start something real.
hey, Jesus is coming. There's not much time. You and I know that. We may never end 2024 if Jesus came now. So why not with every leftover, leftover, precious, valuable, valuable, lingering, that's about to fade away, minute of your life, living real, just living real, living real. Never get used to this church. Never get used to this spiritual family God has given to you. Never get used to the life God has given to you. This is real. There's nothing like this. There's nothing like this at all. tabernacle can be old worn out you as a Levite could get a little tired but one day 2 Corinthians 5 says this tabernacle will come out of it we'll leave this tabernacle on earth behind for a new one up in glory till then let's keep it real let's make it our own our very own and use it the best way we can. Father God, I want to thank you so much for salvation through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I say thank you for that, Lord, I'm not just saying it. Lord, it's real. I can't get used to salvation. (laughs) I'll never get used to salvation. I'll never get used to a Bible-believing church and a Bible-believing life. Lord, it's new to me all the time. Lord, Every time is new to me. We have a new revival meeting, a new speaker, new things we do together as a church, new fellowships, new memories to share for the next years, and new Sundays. Oh, I can't wait. Lord, it's real to me. We can't get used to it, Father. May it remain that way till you come again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.